Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the Live tab. Our guest today on the podcast is Clint Salter. By the age of 28, Clint created, built, and sold three businesses, two of them in dance. He started dancing at age nine and with a friend opened his own studio at the age of 16. After growing the studio to serve a few hundred students each week in only four short years, Clint sold his half of the business to a friend and began working at the top celebrity agency in Australia. For five years, he managed some of the biggest names in television and media. During this time, Clint created Dance Life, Australia's largest community for dancers and performers. Dance Life became Australia's Bible for all things dance, an online resource for dancers, a large dance competition, and a learn-to-dance program for primary and high school students. After four years, Clint sold Dance Life to become the touring manager for the musical Jersey Boys. After spending so much time working at the agency and running his businesses, Clint took his passion for business and dance and founded the Studio Success Formula program, the business school for dance studio owners. And this is where mine and Clint's paths crossed. I joined Studio Success Formula program and Clint has become one of my mentors, helping me to create a life and a business that supports my greater vision. It is such an honor to have you on the show today, Clint. Sure, no problem. Well, Clint, I know that you started dancing at the ripe old age of nine. Can you tell us how you came to study dance? Yeah, sure. So I I was nine and and so many people would say that that's quite late to start dancing because you hear so many stories of people that start in two and a half and and three, but I come from a really musical family. So my mum is one of six um, and, you know, they all danced and sung and my nan played piano and um, I was always doing shows with my cousins like in their loft at their house and just love singing and dancing and so I started actually singing first and I was in choir at school and then one day one of my friends said you should come to dance group as well and I was like okay cool dance group sounds fun and so I went to dance group and my mum's like are you sure you don't want to go to football and I was like no mum I'm in choir I'm in dance group and then from there, I loved dance so much that I said, I'd love to do dancing outside of school because so many of my friends were dancing outside of school. And, and then it went from there. We went to a local dance studio that was at that time being held out of a little school hall with dirty floors. And then that studio grew and they got their own facility. And I was dancing at that, at that studio till I was about uh, 15, I think. 
That's awesome. I, I love hearing everyone's stories when they come to dance because we all find a different pathway there. Yet when we get there, we all sort of have the same magical experience. Mm, I think the great thing with dance is with anything really, you know, being a young, a young child, we all try so many different things, but it's that magic moment where you're like, I'm at home, you know, like this, this is home. This feels like home. And I try gymnastics and T-ball and uh, tennis, you know, you name it. I tried it as a child trying to find that thing where I felt like this is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, and it wasn't until I, I started dance. Did that, did that feeling come for me? And that's really just so crazy that you mentioned the word home, because when I explain to people how I came to dance, really discovering dance at age 18, you know, I was very, very trepidatious about going in. But once I started and realized that, yeah, this was my home away from home and the place that I felt the most alive and the most me that I could be. Mm, so, so true. So true. And such a gift. Absolutely. Now, Clint, you've worked with some of the top names in the entertainment industry through agency work and traveling with the Jersey Boys. Yes. What are, what are some of the top characteristics that distinguish great performers from those that may struggle to reach the top? Ah, such a great question. And I think no matter what profession you're in, but I think definitely for wanting to have a a long-term career in the entertainment industry is persistence, 100%. You know, that that quality to keep on pushing on when you get rejection after rejection after rejection, or you get that constructive feedback rehearsal after rehearsal, and you're like, please leave me alone. You know, the ones that kind of rise to the top and kind of take on that challenge and, and keep persisting. I mean, I worked with lots of amazing people in their fields. And the one thing that came up was all the time was all of the failures and and setbacks that they had in their career. And they're the things that we don't say, you know, we don't see, we think that a lot of people are overnight successes Um, but a lot of the time those overnight successes have taken them 20 years. So, you know, the persistence piece is, is really important. I think the second piece is to be nice. And, and I know that that sounds really simple, but you never know who's going to show up again in your life. And I think the entertainment industry is such a small one that that person that you were with an audition next to, uh, you know, 10 years ago, or that person that got a job over you five years ago, they could come up, you know, turn around and be your director for a show or a choreographer for a show, or they might go into casting or they might be a videographer. And it's funny when I talk to so many directors, choreographers, casting agents, you know, they always will sit around in a circle when they're casting for a show and they'll hold up the headshot and say, Who knows anything about this person? You know, especially if they're, you know, struggling with who to pick out of two different people, they'll base it on reputation. They will absolutely base it on reputation. And, you know, so many people in the industry uh, don't realize how really small it is. And so be nice to people and, and work hard. It, it really is as simple as that. Like that is, that is the formula. And we often look, uh, look at people who are in places and they may not be the most talented and we go, how did they get there? How did that person that's not super uber talented get there? Well, they got there, I'm, I'm assuming, because of 
hard work and because they're really lovely to work with and people would prefer creatives, um, you know, production staff would prefer to work with someone who is hardworking and just lovely to be around with positive energy than someone who is uber talented and difficult. No, and that's, that's really great advice because I think that persistence piece, like you said, people often see famous individuals and they presume that they've gotten there quickly when, like you said, it could have taken them 20 years. I yeah. Have, I had just listened to an interview with, with Marie Forleo and she said the same thing. And what people don't realize is, yeah, it takes a long time. It takes that persistence piece to get where you want to go. And you have to be nice and you have to have that vision of yourself and how you can contribute to the world along the way. Mm, I think so as well. And, and one other piece that, that doesn't get spoken about, I don't think a lot, is, is absolute focus. And I know as, as creatives, you know, we want a piece of everything. You know, we want to be doing everything. We like, we like having a lot of things on our plate, but with focus, with clarity comes absolute power. And so I think when we are going down a path and we're like, this is the path for me, this is what I need to do, we are going to get there a lot faster. I think when we are... Um, teased by the, you know, the shiny disco balls that are around us and we try and move in a hundred different directions, that that's when it takes us a lot longer to get to the place that we want to be. Although we think we're taking the shortcuts to get there, you know, there are no shortcuts in life. I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, focusing, staying on course and really working towards what you want to achieve. And then if the outcome happens, it's not the one you want, you can easy, easily pivot and, and change course. But, you know, really staying true to that path without getting distracted it is another quality I see in people who have successfully created themselves a career in, in this industry. Yeah, staying true to the path. And I know myself, I'm quite guilty of, of falling prey to the shiny disco ball syndrome where, wow, that looks really great over there and maybe I'll try this. But I know that, you know, in discussions I've had with you, it's, yeah, getting really, really focused and figuring out why we do the things that we do and that's how you get to that next step. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, talk to any mentor and they'll say to you, double down, double down on what's working. Most of the time for, for any business and as a performer, you need to run yourself as a business is it's about doing less not more. It's about taking away those things that aren't serving you to push you forward. And, and so many times we think we need to add more to the mix. We've got to do more. We've got to do more. When a lot of the time is we actually just need to do less, but do those things extremely well. And I think that's an important takeaway for not only parents listening, but also for their kids. Mm. What, what I see happening too is that there's so many activities these days for kids vying for their time and parents are trying to discern which programs are the best fit. What is it about the arts that you think really would be beneficial for kids these days? Oh, wow. I mean, the arts, and it's so funny because, you know, I do a lot of work with dance owners and I always say to them, 
you know, dance classes. We sell so much more than dance classes and the arts as a whole is, is just so beautiful because it's a place where we can be creative, where hopefully there, there's not too much judgment around what they're doing, where they can surround themselves with, you know, other children, other people who are interested in what they're interested in. Uh, creativity, you know, letting children unleash their creativity from an early age, I think is such such an asset and so valuable for people when they become adults and they may be going to the workforce and they've got to be creative. I mean, the other thing I think it does is it gets you okay with being different. Uh, and, and, you know, for me being a, a boy who was into the arts, um, which wasn't the norm. I mean, it's a lot more normal now, but you know, for me growing up, uh, you know, I was teased at school and obviously that really built, um, resilience within me. Um, and I'm a big believer that, you know, me going to dance classes from nine, uh, is a huge reason for where I'm at today in my business and in my life, you know, and I know a hundred percent that I wouldn't be where I am today if, if dance wasn't a part of my life. Whether I, you know, went on to be a, a carpenter or what I do now working with studio owners and, and being a speaker, no matter what it was, uh, I wouldn't be the human being I am without, you know, being enrolled in, you know, dance classes and, and pursuing that. Um, yeah. And that's really a, re- a great segue into my next question. And what are some of the lessons you learned in dance class that have helped you personally to become a more successful entrepreneur and leader? Mm. I think the biggest thing is not worrying about what other people think. And, and that's a really hard one. It's a really hard one to get, but when it clicks in, it, it's magic because you end up stop thinking every time you want to make a decision or you want to take a new step or you want to do something that isn't the norm. You don't continually second guess yourself. You move forward with it knowing that, you know, that's what you want. It's authentic to you. And if people don't like what you're doing or don't approve or there's judgment there, well, that's on them. That's not on you. So the big the most valuable lesson I would say is that is, is not living your life the way that other people want you to live it. You know, actually being able to live your life the way that, that you want, because as far as we know, we only get one. And I think it's important that we can wake up every morning and go to bed, you know, every night and say, I did my best today. And I did my best by my rules, not by anyone else's. And I think I just need to put on loop what you just said about being unique and being okay in your own skin. I think every child going through school these days needs to hear that message repeatedly because it is so important for them. Isn't it? It's so important. And I get, I get it because, you know, I didn't grow up in the world of, of social media and having Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram. And I know as a, as an adult now, you know, when I scroll through my news feeds, I will still have a moment of, 
of envy, you know, of looking at someone else's life and saying, oh, I just wish I had that. And then obviously what kind of kicks into me is that we all know that social media is a highlights reel of everyone's life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually not a true representation of how anybody really lives their life. It's the 10%. It's not the 90%. And so when we know that, um, we can then be okay with, with what we do and what we want to achieve. Unfortunately, though, you know, for children who, who are now growing up in this world, they think that that is a normal life and I need to validate who I am and what I do by putting everything on social media and making it look like I have this, this terrific, amazing life. You know, I need to be thinner. I need to use better filters so my skin's clear. I need, you know, all of these things. And I think it would be quite tough for children. So, you know, this is where dance or any type of kind of performance is, is amazing and why I think every child needs to be doing something creative, uh, you know, every week is so that they can be themselves and not be stuck in front of a screen, any type of screen, laptop, tablet, iPhone, whatever it might be, and just experience real life and real joy. Because I think the other thing that's happening is we're manufacturing what joy really is through social media instead of actually tapping into ourselves and really acknowledging what is joy for me. You know, what makes me excited? What gets me out of bed instead we're shown kind of what that is instead of feeling it yeah and I couldn't agree more I have an almost 13 year old so I see the pressure of what social media looks like and I see her going through struggles where you know friends decide to go different directions or maybe she starts to question her own values based on what she sees on social media or what people Mm. are posting so it's tough to be a kid these days there's lots of lots of pressures in all different directions. Yeah, I think you touched on something really important there and that's values, you know, and, and helping your children to discover what their core values are, I think is so important because a lot of the time, I think even as adults, a lot of people don't know what their true core values are. And I think when we're aware of those and we wake up every morning knowing what our values are, we can then live our life according to those values instead of seeing everything else out there and living life according to what we see or what we think, you know, our values should be. And I think that's really more important now than ever, like you said, to have those values. I don't think that I really heard that word or understood what that meant until I was well into my entrepreneurial career. And when I really sat and thought about it, it was a struggle to figure out what I really believed in and, you know, trying, trying to not be exactly like somebody else, but really staying true to who I was. Yep. hundred percent. All right. Well, Clint, here on the show, we're all about helping parents find ways to raise smarter kids using the arts. When you think of the word smart, what comes to mind? Uh, So the first thing that comes to mind is confidence because for me, smart is a lot of things. We can be smart, you know, book smart, which is, you know, what the school's greatest on. We can be smart in terms of uh, savvy, you know, street smart. We can be smart 
in our relationships and, and um, building connections. I mean, it means so many different things, but I think at the core of it, if you are confident uh, in who you are and, and what you want to do, I think that's being smart. And that's perfect because I think that confidence bit really speaks to values as well. Once we know and are aligned with what we believe in, that confidence kind of bubbles up to the surface and the rest of us get to see that brilliance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we get clarity around anything in our life or our, our business, our careers, whatever it might be, uh, confidence, confidence definitely comes to the surface. And earlier in our interview, you talked about being using creativity, and that was one of the greatest assets of the arts. How can that creativity then translate to more success in school for these kids? Well, again, I think it's just, you know, allowing them to not be, and, you know, every school system around, around the world uh, functions differently. And I'd love to be able to do more work in schools because I think a lot of us think there's, uh, we know that there's a lot more work that, that could be done. And so when it comes to creativity in schools, I think it just allows children to be more of themselves. You know, I think being creative and, you know, playing with, you know, playing with things and even if it's like Play-Doh, you know, for young children or, you know, if it's building models or if it's jigsaw puzzles or if it's painting and drawing, um, you know, art therapy, you know, is done around the world now to, to help children who, you know, have had a tough time, you know, at home or, um, you know, there's there's things going on at home and so... I think there's a reason for that is that it's freeing, it's creative, it's fun. You know, they laugh, kids laugh, they're happy when these things happen. And I think we need to bring more of that into, into the classrooms. Um, we can do that with math. We can do that with English. Um, but it's just thinking about it in a completely different way we think we need to sit and read books well well we don't you know there's great plays we can act them out you know we can sing our times tables it's the only way my mom got me to learn my times tables was buying me like a, a cd um with like songs for each of the times tables it's the only way and i still like if i ever think of it which isn't very often now i still know the tune of those times tables you know, and so it's thinking different ways to learn and you can incorporate the arts and creativity to really enhance the experience and for children to get the learning faster. Right, and I couldn't agree with you more on all those points. I know um, I've been doing some weekly webinars and the whole focus is about how we all learn differently and there's eight different constructs and eight ways we can all know and learn. And that mm -hmm. school's really teach and test to only two of those things. So I've been really wanting to help parents to understand that there's more than one way to be smart because I think schools get parents and kids thinking, you know, if you don't fit into this mold, you're not smart enough or you're not good enough. And that's absolutely not the truth. Oh, it's, it's so ridiculous that we still function that way, you know, and, and that's still the way that a lot of schools um, demonstrate the worth of a child. I, I just can't believe that in, in this day and age with everything that's evolved and progressed that, you know, the report cards, that grades, that tests still equal the value of, of how intelligent or smart a child is. 
Right. And it breaks my heart when I have parents come to me and they say, you know, my kid is struggling in school and this is why. And we come to discover that it's because they learn kinesthetically and they're never given the opportunity to move their bodies or express themselves. Or Mm. even from my youngest daughter, her teacher would call home or, or send me notes saying she is disrupting classes because she's humming when she's doing her work. You know, and as you shared with learning how to do your your times tables with song, that's very much how she relates to the world. Everything is music with her. And if it's not Mm. there, her little brain is not processing in a way that's best for her. Totally, totally. And I'm, you know, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do there in the school system. Yes, and, and, you know, that's the reason that this podcast exists, really, to help parents on this pathway on their journey in parenting because it's not easy. And, you know, we know that the arts provides so many great benefits for kids and it's the way these kids are going to learn to appreciate their own smarts and their value in the world. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Excellent. Well, we're just about to the end of our, our interview today. Clint, what is the best way for our listeners to find out more about what you do? Uh, so they can go to our website, uh, which is dancestudioownersassociation.com. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, just search for my name, Clint Salter and, and, you know, would love to connect with you and uh, answer any questions you've got. Yeah. And all of your contact information will be in our show notes as well. So there'll be some direct links to you also. Perfect. Sounds great. Before we end our call today, Clint, is there one parting piece of advice you could leave with parents on raising smarter kids through the arts? Sure. I would, I would say one thing that my mum, you know, said to me when I was growing up and I, I will never forget it. I came home one afternoon, you know, after a dance class and I was really upset because I'd been bullied, um, quite horribly one particular day and I came home and I was, I was crying and, you know, I said, I'm just going to give it all up. You know, I'm just going to be like a normal boy. I'm going to give it all up because you know what? It's just not worth it. And she said to me these words, and I'll never forget it. She said, Clint, does it make you happy? And I said, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it more than anything. And she says, well, don't stop it from what other people are saying. If it makes you happy, you keep doing it. And, and to this day, when I talk to my mom, she's always asking me, is that making you happy? Is that making you happy? What makes you happy? And so I would say to parents, find out what makes your children happy and encourage them to do more of that. Because as we know, as, as we become adults, we don't have as, as much choice. We are put in situations which are challenging. Life throws us, uh, you know, lots of challenges and we come up against brick walls. And I think when we've got things there surrounding us that make us happy, that we can go back to, um, we're just building stronger, stronger human beings. So, you know, I, am I saying don't worry about the grades and don't get them to do their homework? I'm not saying any of that, but, but that was always secondary. You know, the first thing was, does that make you happy? And if I said yes, my mum would say, well, keep doing it. And so that's what I would leave the parents with. Find out what makes your children happy and continually support them 
um, with that venture, even if you don't think it's going to help them become X, Y, Z, the next president, whatever it is, you don't know, you know, when they're happy, a lot more opportunity will, will, uh, come forward and they'll just become awesome human beings. So that's my last, my last tip from my mum to me, to you. And what a wise woman your mother was, because I love that. Do what makes you happy, and you have to do it every day. Every single day. You know, every day I still wake up, and, you know, we all have jobs as adults, but I still say to myself, you know, what have I done? At the end of the day, I always say, what did I do today that made me really happy? And it can be like the simplest thing, um, or it can be a, a big thing. But, you know, I think we need to, to do a lot more of that because we get so caught up in the day-to-day of life. Um, so it's a tip for your children, but I think also a tip for you, um, parents who are listening. Absolutely. And I'm going to take that to heart as well and maybe incorporate that into a new bedtime routine where I'm asking my kids every night, what did you do today that made you happy? Yes. Yes. Amazing. Please. Well, please. Thank you so much for your time and your very wise words. I so appreciate you being on this show with me today. No problem. Thanks for having me and thank you for the great work. You know, I think, you know, if we can just get more people talking about this uh, and having more people imparting their knowledge, you know, we are going to build just an amazing group of of children that are going to become adults. So uh, please keep doing what you do. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share us with a friend and leave us a review here on iTunes. Be sure to head over to artsmartparenting.com for free updates to help you raise a smarter kid through the arts. And if you're looking for more ways to propel your child's learning, join me each Wednesday for a free live webinar where you'll discover how your child learns best, how to supercharge learning, and the often hidden mismatch between teaching, testing, and your child. Sign up today at artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes where I'll be sharing tips and tricks to incorporate the arts into your already busy schedule and expert interviews with artists, educators, and entrepreneurs on how the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. Until next time, I'm Young Pratt, your partner in raising smart kids.